Welcome to None Dare Call It Ordinary, the podcast that digs into the unusual, unorthodox, and downright unsettling beliefs found at the depths of the internet and the heights of paranoia. I'm your host, Dylan, and with me is the foreknowledgeable Brent and the foresighted Forrest. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. Mine seemed like a compliment. It is a compliment, and it's related to today's episode. Yes, it is. All right, so what are we talking about today, Dylan? Well, speaking of foreknowledge, we are still talking about the book None Dare Call It Heresy, Spotlight on the Life and Teachings of John Calvin by Bob Kirkland, DD. And once again, he does officially go by Bob. That is the (laughs) name he chose for the cover of his book. And Forrest has more to say about that. Yes, I do. All right. So Kirkland cites a whole bunch of scripture in defense of the idea that God makes a whole lot of commandments, but he doesn't therefore force us to obey. For example, quote, Isaiah 30, 21 says, this is the way walk ye in it. Psalms 81, 12 states they walked in their own counsels. So you're commanded, but you don't have to do it. Yeah, they still spoke to their own lawyer. They had their own lawyers (laughs) present when they when they walked. So this is a lot like how Dylan once pointed out in the, I think it was the Mental Illness Denialism series, that in Nazi Germany, if you qualified for joining the SS, well, you joined the SS, okay? Yeah, <laughs> definitely. The uh, the council you received was an SS council, so uh, pretty incestuous there. Also, guys, uh, sorry, speaking of Nazis, though, I noticed your bias here for us a little. You uh, did conveniently, as going through this book, left out the passage when Kirkland says, quote, God never sanctioned the persecution and attempted annihilation of the Jews under Hitler's regime. The persecutors of the Jews, as in the case of Adolf Hitler, were therefore held fully responsible for what they did. I like how he has to go out of his way to mention, like to say this, though. Like, why? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) By the way, it was Hitler's fault, not God's. Also, I'm really glad when I think about the relationship between God and the Holocaust, What's really important for me is that the Nazis mm-hmm. are fully responsible and not God. I'm just yeah, so exactly. grateful. And surely it wasn't, you know, the I don't know, the <laughs> centuries of anti-Semitism that led up to the Nazis under the church. I'm sure. Once yeah. again, God not responsible. Right. Kirkland points out that a big difference between, quote, real Christianity and Calvinism is that one is faith activated, whereas the other isn't. To put in your commercial that your brand of Calvinism is faith activated We'll get you into trouble with the regulators because that would be false advertising. Okay. Mm, yep. Yep. <laughs> Quote, the gospel is activated by faith. Whosoever believeth, but the fatalism of Calvinism can say no more than what will be, will be. This is not biblical faith, but actually a form of unbelief in that it leaves the recipient in doubt of his future. Thankfully, though, Christianity now sells the faith activating crystals separately. Ooh. So we can just sprinkle them on Calvin's Bible and get him on the right track. Oh, that's very good. Kirkland accuses Calvin of cherry picking scripture out of context to fit his own views, which is obviously not what Kirkland is also doing, right? Nope, 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 nope. Okay. For instance, he says that Calvinists use an Ephesians quote to support predestination. Quote, he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world. Okay. Yeah, seems pretty cut and dry, but Kirkland says that you need to quote the rest of it to see just what a dope Calvin is. Quote, Mm. according as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. Kirkland says this has nothing to do with predestination, but rather is about how God has chosen for how Christians are supposed to live, which I suppose if you kind of squint while reading it, 
I guess that's kind of true. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Exactly. We are to be perfectly holy and blameless, a totally achievable, not confusing or vague way to live at all. So that is <laughs> yeah. I'm just glad that on. Kirkland's interpretation of a translated version of the Bible is a quote direct reading. <laughs> As opposed to those Calvinist interpretations, which are 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 different. <laughs> That's, yes. uh, they're not just direct readings. That's the key. Well, you know, Dylan, in fact, besides just the cherry picking and taking quotes out of context, Kirkland says that Calvinism uses a quote. This is what the Bible says, but this is what it means system. See, uh, so they actually oh, yeah, tell you it. what the real saying or they, they tell you what it really says. But then they say, but this is what it means. And I'm pretty sure that, you know, Kirkland is actually mistaking Calvin for Jordan Peterson here. Oh. I think that's really what's going on. <laughs> yeah, that's more his uh, his uh, tactic. There. That's, that's his shtick. Yeah, but Kirkland is speaking more of a, um, quote, spiritual substrate rather than a, you know, metaphysical substrate. So that's the main difference. Is the metaphysical substrate below the spiritual substrate or vice versa? What do you think? Well, oh, uh, man, I, I don't know. I'm going to have to say the metaphysical has got to be above the spiritual. But then again, that would be demeaning you know, God's spiritual realm. So I really don't know. That's a really hard philosophical Mm. question. That's tough. Yeah, we need to go to seminary to figure that out. All right. To be fair, a whole lot of the examples Kirkland cites as examples of Calvinists misinterpreting the Bible are not unreasonable. For instance, I do agree with Kirkland that for the following passage attributed to Jesus, it's kind of weird to use it in support of the belief in predestination for heaven or hell. Quote, ye have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you, and ye should go and bring forth fruit, and that your fruit should remain that whatsoever ye shall ask of the Father in my name, he may give it to you. So unfortunately, though, there will be heaven border protections stations um, like they have before you enter California. So you can't carry any unapproved fruit over the heavenly lines. Especially, so that is unfortunate. especially yeah, not back. from the tree from knowing good and evil. <laughs> oh, God, no. Especially Jesus. Not. All right. But to be fair to the Calvinists, though, it's not exactly clear how a God with perfect foresight about his own creation could also give his creation free will in some straightforward sense. I mean, wouldn't this entail that this creation could do otherwise and how he designed them to be? For example, if I have the free will to choose to follow Jesus, shouldn't it be outside of God's knowing or design whether or not I will? If he knowingly made me to be as I am, as somebody that does not accept Christ as a savior, whatever that even means, then doesn't he share in some of the responsibility for me making this, quote, choice? Kirkland answers this very question, quote, God, in his foreknowledge, knows who will trust Jesus Christ as Savior. However, that does not mean he has to make the decision for them to be saved. Oh. Once again, not very clear, but OK, let's continue. Nope. <laughs> so, yeah, here it is. You make up a wind up toy, wind it up, watch it go off the ledge. And just remember, even though you made the toy wound it up and even though you had foresight and seeing it go off the ledge you didn't make the decision for it to yeah, go off the, the ledge hook. yeah you just made it <laughs> as it is set it into motion and knew it would happen so that's just that's the way it works totally fine what's what's great <laughs> about this is that this is kirkland's view and this is basically just the calvinist view i mean it's so like similar because calvinists do actually think people have free will and moral responsibility in a similar kind of way They're kind of like pseudo compatibilists and you might think that their views of free will are false or even incoherent, but then it's their view of free will. That's the problem and not their theology. And really the view about free will is basically Kirkland's view where Kirkland says, even though God does know exactly what you're going to do, 
because you're built in a certain way, you still have free will and moral responsibility for your actions. So it's really funny to me that he thinks, no, my view is way different than Calvin's, even though it's basically the same. Yeah, yeah that above quote I, I just read, it, it might as well just came from Calvin himself, to be honest. Even God preordained that you would design a wind up toy and watch you over the edge. God is truly a monster. <laughs> so you know that. Yeah, that's the problem is that God doesn't let you use this reasoning where like if you raise a child and you do it in a really shitty way, in a way that's like guaranteed to make them do shitty things, God is going to blame you for doing that, even though you can't do the same to God. It's really it's a bit of a double standard if I do say so myself. Kirkland says that Calvinists muddle up perseverance of prayer and persevering unto salvation, citing Calvin as writing, quote, those who do not persevere unto the end belong not to the calling of God. So this is a pretty mm-hmm. tough standard. As is such, in Kirkland's estimation of Calvin's mm-hmm. standard, in that case, because of their flaws, Noah, Abraham, Samson, David, Moses, Jacob, all the disciples of Jesus are destined for hell. And surely this seems unfair. Well, I mean, if you run a marathon and you run the whole marathon, but then refuse to cross the finish line, should you win or not? It seems clear to me what the answer is. So I'm going to have to say, I think I agree with Calvin on this one. Now, you might think, you know, Kirkland is being a little more lenient in his interpretation, but not necessarily. It's really not that simple. Quote, there's actually no eternal security in the doctrine of perseverance of the saints, because no one can ever know, even at the end of life, if he had really persevered enough. So again, it's basically the Calvinist view, I guess. <laughs> Wait, yeah, what's the distinction between Kirklandism and Calvinism? I'm trying to figure that out. It's now. starting I'm, to I'm sound actually... like words. It's starting <laughs> yeah. to sound like the difference are the words they're using. It's an aesthetic difference. In Calvin's view, heaven is only for God's favorite wind-up toys, while in Kirkland's oh, view, heaven. God is maybe a lot like a credit bureau before credit karma. You kind of know what to do to improve your credit score, but you never really, you're never really sure if you're improving it. And no matter how well you think you did, you can still get screwed because you don't really know the criteria by which you're being judged. And thus, the perseverance of these saints is no guarantee of their salvation. Plus, credit karma sounds extremely blasphemous. Karma. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, come on. Look, if anyone had a first class ticket into heaven, it would have to be those that emulate the saints, right? I mean, come on. No. Oh. Kirkland says that the saints of all people are on the shakiest of ground. Quote, Calvinists believe the perseverance of the saints offers them eternal security, but in actuality, it brings them more insecurity than ever regarding their salvation. Here, the persevering is left up to the strength of the believer rather than resting on the promises of God that assure us eternal life is based on what he has already done, not what we do. It is our part to believe, repent, and put our trust in him and his part to save and preserve us. Well, look, salvation is like jazz. If you have to ask, you'll never know. So if you're asking, (laughs) if you're asking about salvation, just know, like jazz, you're going straight to hell. There's no question about it. I just, you know, I really like this language here. Save and preserve us. God sure is leaning hard on the analogies involving fruit all the time. Yeah, this is why Mormons are really into canning. That is pleasure. It must be that um, heaven is f- like filled with citric acid. Yeah. Mm. Okay, so the father of the election, which is, of course, Kirkland, Bob Kirkland, is sitting out this election. So Not Robert Kirkland, Bob Kirkland. That's right. Just when you thought this couldn't get any more intense, guys, guess what? 
John Calvin was himself not one of the elect, according to Kirkland. Plot twist. Oh my God. Worst possible. (laughs) So he quotes Calvin, quote, I testify also and profess that I humbly seek from God that he may so will me to be washed and purified by the great Redeemer's blood shed for the sins of the human race, that it may be permitted me to stand before his tribunal under the cover of the Redeemer himself. Kirkland out- underlines, quote, that he may so will me because he says he, John Calvin, could not believe unless God first regenerated him and gave him faith to believe. Mm, so, yep. you know, personally, I not only need faith to believe, but I need reasoning to need faith to believe. It's a bit confusing, but you need, need reasoning. Need, but but yeah. what I need is seasoning, oh. like some delicious, delicious <laughs> MSG. That's how I'm getting there. Nice. That's how I'm getting regenerated. All right. So Kirkland is distraught because, quote, no Calvinist can be sure of his salvation because he might be predestined just to think he is saved. Oh, <laughs> Kirkland doesn't seem to ever show any concern for women's souls. Apparently, he's always saying he <laughs> is. So, oh, well. moving on with the quote here. After all, playing little head games with people would not be wrong for Calvin's God, in quotes, since Calvin's God is glorified by sending billions of people who had no choice to hell for eternity. I so, got to say, I wow. love putting God in quotes, but then also capitalizing God <laughs> when you put it in scare quotes. Yeah. That's pretty good. That's, yeah. yeah, that is kind of weird. Go all the way, Kirkland. Come on. Yeah. Yeah, you should make the G a subscript. Make it even smaller <laughs> than lowercase. So, okay. You know, honestly, guys, growing up in my you know Baptist church, uh, cult whatever i remember thinking how it wasn't really fair that people um in obscure villages who literally could never hear the you know quote-unquote gospel could ever be saved because i don't know they didn't hear it and said they're gonna go to hell i thought that was a little unfair but no church person ever had a legitimate answer for me so uh shit Mm. i guess uh john calvin does so it's funny you say that too because i remember being a little kid and thinking that exact same thing like that seems very unfair oh it's horrifying yeah it's just like what is why i I never got a good answer for that either i know it's weird mostly because there is no good answer ha ha that's why (laughs) could be could be that all right so kirkland quotes calvinist john murray as saying quote we may entertain the faith of our security in christ only as we persevere in faith and holiness to the end but kirkland responds with quote How much holiness? Are we talking about sinless perfection? You know, I I personally, personally, I just, I'll answer this question. I would just go with the slightly above the average amount of holiness just to be safe. I mean, just you want to go a little above half if if you want to quantify this. Also, I got to say, you know, I don't want to cast aspersions on, on Bob. You know, I don't, I don't know him personally, but he seems real desperate to be allowed to sin in his life. He's really (laughs) worried about this. So. What I want to know is, what is Bob hiding? <laughs> what kind of sins is he desperate Actually, to hold on to? I see something like strangely contradictory because on the one hand, he's saying, nobody can know if you persevered enough. And even the saints, we don't even know about them. But then on the other hand, he's like, but you know, you can sin and stuff and who cares? Like, <laughs> yeah. what, what can you do? What can you do? I think you're right, Dylan. He's trying to hide something. That's what's going yeah, on. This something's is, yeah, something's happening. Exactly. He needs to talk to his priest and do a <laughs> confession right now. That's what I think. Well, I don't. I think he's a evangelical. I don't really think yeah, they he do that. Even. Oh, that's right. So yeah, he wouldn't do Catholic, that. That's because that Catholics is a non-biblical, non-Christian religion you're thinking of. <laughs> Augustine was like the worst. So okay, man, we got it. Okay, so but Charles Hodge, a Calvinist theologian, quantifies this a bit. He helps us out here. 
Okay, well, not really, but it's a valiant <laughs> effort. He says, quote, the only evidence of election is effectual calling, that is, the production of holiness, and the only genuineness of this call and certainty of our perseverance is a patient continuance in well-doing. So, okay, so produce holiness and continue doing well. Simple enough. Yeah, that's just continue doing well. Produce yeah. holiness. I'm imagining a factory that just produces holiness. <laughs> we need more We're holiness. losing jobs in that factory, unfortunately. It's automation yeah. is taking over. Yeah. All right. Also, according to Murray, if you want to be a legit saint, you got to persevere to the end. You can't just half-ass it. Quote, in the perseverance discussion, John MacArthur states that, quote, you may be a spiritual defector who hasn't defected yet. Okay, or I got another idea. Or maybe your spiritual armor is defective. That's another option. Make sure to keep up with your armor, guys. We have a whole series on this. You got to go back and listen to it. Exactly. You got to check out our spiritual warfare series to learn all about that. And I this just saddens me greatly. You know, you'll be right at the end of the spiritual marathon (laughs) and your shoes of the preparation of the gospel heirs will come untied (laughs) and you'll trip all the way to eternal damnation. (laughs) Oh, it is. Also, I got to say, I actually a sad sight to see. I actually prefer Murray's persevere to the end interpretation to the just the credit bureau of Kirkland, where it's just you just have no clue. Right. If you're doing well, but at least if at least like what Dylan said, at least like I'm running the marathon. I'm thirsty. I'm going to pass out. I don't want to finish, but I'm going to I'm going to finish. God damn it. Yeah. Yeah. But under Kirkland's view, you you could finish and you still don't know. know. So it's like (laughs) you cross the finish line, but then you end up in hell. It's like, what the fuck? All right, according to an article titled Assurance of Salvation, the Calvinist teacher R.C. Sproul wrote, quote, A while back, I had one of those moments. Suddenly, the question hit me. R.C., what if you are not one of the redeemed? What if your destiny is not heaven at all, after all, but hell? Let me tell you that I was flooded in my body with a chill that went from my head to the bottom of my spine. <laughs> I was terrified. His feet, though, his feet were still warm, thankfully. Yeah, the shoes on. Even though R.C. Sproul is dead, that doesn't stop Kirkland from rubbing his face in it, saying, quote, (laughs) There is not a person in the world who believes that John Calvin taught who should not be terrified concerning the reality of his salvation. (laughs) Yeah. What we need to remind ourselves here is that it is only Calvinists who have to doubt what the afterlife will bring because Kirkland and everyone else knows for a fact what's going to happen. So if you want to be certain, like all of us, just don't be a Calvinist. They're the only ones who have no idea. So Kirkland continues Sproul's quote. When I remember John 6, 68, Jesus had been giving out hard teaching. Many of his former followers had left him. When he asked Peter if he was also going to leave, Peter said, where else can I go? Only you have worlds of eternal life. In other words, Peter was also uncomfortable, but he realized that being uncomfortable with Jesus was better than any other option. That's a very uplifting attitude towards Christianity. It is uplifting. It's like that, you know, democracy is like the worst system of government except for all the others. Right. Kind of like that. (laughs) Christianity is the worst religion except for all the others. Kirkland then twists the meaning of what I believe Sproul is actually saying. Quote, I'm comfortable with Jesus? This doesn't line up with scripture that promises peace with God and eternal life to those who believe in Jesus Christ. Sproul's, quote, option is to be uncomfortable with Jesus, which is considered better than any other option. 
So I, I mean, I honestly think Kirkland's reading a little much, you know, a little too much into what Sproul's saying there, but that's just my, I don't want to give too much opinion here, of course, but you're just wrong. Brad. From what I know of history, <laughs> it has never been uncomfortable to be a Christian. It has always been great and no one has ever been fed to any kind of feline because of it. So yeah, you're just, <laughs> he is reading just exactly what needs to be read into that. Good point. So Kirkland points out that in Edwin Palmer's book, The Five Points of Calvinism, he states, quote, God is in the back of everything. He decides and causes all things to happen that do happen, even sin. (gasps) God ordains sin and unbelief. But, you know, Kirkland responds with, quote, it is blasphemous to say God is the author of sin or has any part with sin. See Romans 3, 8. Which, you guys, this verse says you are not allowed to do evil to do good. So no more wars. I'm sorry, neocon friends. This <laughs> yeah, is not going to happen. No more neocon like, wars. Neocon wars are, right, are, are evil to do good. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So this is the end of the book, guys. Uh, Captain Kirkland is going to sign off now. Bob Kirkland DD is stuck on this evil Calvin phrase. That God is in back of everything. He starts to name all sorts of passages in the Bible where God couldn't have ordained such wrongdoings. He says, quote, and if Calvinism is right, then God desired the rapists in Genesis 10, 5 to come in and attempt to abuse the angels that visited Lot, which I say this has been going on long enough. The raping of angels is a long unnoticed problem in our society. Please, let's bring awareness to this unholy crime. This, what's next? Orb raping? This is just not Man, cool. I don't even want to think about that. I don't even want to think about that. I agree with that. And by the way, also, <laughs> clearly, God wasn't in back of ordering the Amalekites to be completely right. annihilated. That There's was that not too. something God was in back no, of. No, not, not at all. Not even at though all. he ordered it. Yeah. Anyway, we'll just, we'll ignore that. Okay. I like how this is the worst thing he could think of in the Bible. Seriously. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, there are worse things in Genesis. Yeah, like this is pretty bad, but Kirkland also mentions Abnon raping his own sister in 2 Samuel 13. But he doesn't just want to only mention all the vile things written in the Bible. He adds for good measure, quote, according to Calvinism, God desired every child that has ever been molested to be abused. Mm. So we are wait, I, for a second there. We are covering Calvinism. This is not the Catholicism, right? I'm, I just want to make sure I'm looking <laughs> at the right outline. No, no, this is only so. about Christianity. Um, oh, okay. <laughs> But I got to say, if I was Kirkland's editor, I might suggest another strategy because he still literally thinks God knew all this shit was going to happen. So it's not he, he, the no, best he, look. He wound it up and watched it go over the edge, but he didn't do it. He's not no, in back of it's everything. It's still hard. It's still a hard way to go. I'm just going to put that out there. All right. So. Quoting from the book, if Calvinism has not veered from the biblical gospel message, I don't know what has. It portrays a monster God, in quotes again, who created, but capitalized, who created billions of people whom he hates. Doesn't this God, and I didn't capitalize it, by the way, or put quotes around it, doesn't this God sort of satisfy the problem of evil, maybe? I don't know. Yeah, that makes sense. The real problem then for Calvinism is why God allows anything good to happen. That's what, (laughs) that's the problem, the problem of goodness. I would also say where it says it portrays a monster God who created billions of people whom he hates. I mean, to me, that's, you don't need like a Calvinist reinterpretation of the Old Testament to get that. You just can read it normally and get that. Just read it with your eyes. I mean, literally, after Adam and Eve leave the Garden of Eden, he's just looking at us and be like, man, all these fucking people suck. (laughs) This is a whole monologue he has. God, I need to deal with this shit pronto. Give me some burn up lambs. All right. Um, 
Kirkland lets us know that, quote, Calvinism is not just heresy, it is dangerous and pitiful heresy. So it's not just heresy. Wow. Dangerous and pitiful. So it's even worse. Remember, it was also not just heresy, it was blasphemy, but it's now qualified as dangerous and pitiful heresy. So we're getting (laughs) even worse and worse. By the end of the book, God only knows, pun intended, what it will be. God only knows. I also like, again, how he explicitly says when he talks about Calvinism being blasphemous, he says that's worse. Yeah. It's worse than heresy. And then he just drops it. I don't get why he doesn't pick up that whole blasphemy angle. Blasphemy would have been probably better. Yeah. We also learned God was just a little goofy on the last one, too. Right. So that's also another weird thing Mm, to lead with. What it was, was Calvin portrays God as like wicked spiteful evil and ridiculous (laughs) yeah and a little silly so kirkland says that calvinists have wasted lots of paper trying not to admit that they believe god is the author of sin quote however if god foreordained sin he foreordained sin (laughs) the dictionary says to foreordain is to quote appoint in advance Uh, pulling out the dictionary i'm gonna have to say i think that conditional is true if god foreordained sin he foreordained sin i'm gonna have to say yeah that that's right (laughs) yeah Yep, if being a then a i'm gonna yeah <laughs> tautology by being the author of something is the same thing as appointing that something in advance so okay yeah. quote any child that can read can understand what calvin meant when he said quote the fall of adam was not by accident nor by chance but was ordained by the secret council of god I guess like the secret council of God is like the Illuminati's Illuminati. Yeah. Well, I mean, we already, as we already said earlier, how when God commands people, they can talk to their own council. So it mm-hmm. only makes sense that God has his own council. Yeah. When, there's, when they have to go to like, yeah, when they have to go to walking court to kind of work <laughs> out, you know, the walking guidelines. Even God should not be above the law. He That's needs right. to uh, justify why he's sending people to hell. So Kirkland lets the masses who are reading this book know that Christians can be heretics. Paul warns his church to be on guard against the, quote, works of the flesh, and included in this list is the word heresies. We are not to be ashamed of the gospel. In 2 Timothy 2.15, it says, Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. It's kind of funny, like I said that and I almost could just quote that without even reading it because I just know that verse so much. It was burned into my head so much as a child. Oh, no. Um, yeah, like my church, they put me through this. I think we, I mentioned this before, uh, sort of a Christian Boy Scouts growing up, and it was called Awana, which stood for Approved Workmen Are Not Ashamed. And mm. it stems from that verse. Yeah, we used to have badges. We, you know, memorize verses and put badges on our uh, vests as uh, good times. I actually remember you mentioned this in our very first yeah. episode, and I remember distinctly not believing you. I was like, that is ridiculous. There's no way that's real. <laughs> that's, a, that's a fair. Yep, that's fair. But also note how Calvinist that acronym is. We're not talking about all workmen, but only approved <laughs> workmen, the elect of the workmen, if you will. It's true. Not all workmen get in. All right. So Kirkland ends chapter nine with this gem, quote, The Bible doesn't say, don't worry about heresy when taught by your friends. It doesn't say, allow them to infiltrate your churches and Bible colleges and teach their heresy. Hey, 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 (laughs) hey, hey, excuse me, Kirkland. They are called clown colleges. Yeah. Come on. We know this by now. Okay. So anyway, Kirkland concludes his book as it began by reiterating that Calvinism presents another gospel. (sighs) And that's why it's heresy. I thought he said that they present the gospel, but then put their spin on it. So Mm. which is it? I know. It's both. This is what it says, but this is what it means. Well, 
if this is what it says, then aren't they saying the gospel? <laughs> I mean, come on. Let's be consistent here. That's all I ask. He mentions how some of those pesky hellbound Calvinists will say he is misrepresenting Calvinism. But the problem is, quote, some people are Calvin Calvinists. Others are Thomas Fuller Calvinists. Hmm. Then there's, you know, Arthur W. Pink Calvinists, hmm. Presbyterian Calvinists, Baptist Calvinists, MacArthur Calvinists, and Hobbes Calvinists. Okay, I'm sorry I added that one, but that's... um. <laughs> A little uh, joker. No, but okay. So continue with the quote. <laughs> quote, it would be difficult not to misrepresent somebody's version of Calvinism. <laughs> I'm pretty sure there's a plethora of um, non-Calvinist Christian denominations too. So you know, settle down, Bob. <laughs> yeah, I love this strategy. Real bad. Like where, like, oh, you think I'm misrepresenting you? Well, there's so many different varieties, so it doesn't even matter. It's like, <laughs> yeah, I yeah. can't. I can't misrepresent Christianity because there are so many Christian denominations. So when I say all Christians worship Steve Jobs, that's not a problem. Yeah. Look, I mean, that's somebody's version of Christianity. Yeah. I love this. This is a good get out of jail free card. And then when someone comes I up like to it. me and says, well, there's only one little obscure Christian cult of two members that worship Steve Jobs. It seems like that you shouldn't paint us all with the same brush. Then just say, hey, what the fuck? There's so many of you assholes anyway. I know, right? I'm pure. I'm totally justified in this. Wow, yeah. this, this is one of the craziest claims that that uh, Kirkland has made so far, and that, that's pretty impressive. <laughs> Got at the very end of the book too. <laughs> so Kirkland decides to end his book by bashing on morons who believe Calvinism. I actually almost read that outline in the outline, uh, bashing on Mormons who believe Calvinism, which would be a totally interesting, mm, Freudian strange slip. twist. Yeah, but that would not, Freudian yeah. slip. No. So, okay, morons, okay, who believe Calvinism. Quote, many people who call themselves Calvinists have never read Calvin's Institutes of Christian Religion for themselves. They are merely following someone who taught them something about his own brand of Calvinism. So in glorious fashion, he wildly speculates that, quote, some preachers have taken a few classes on Calvinism in a Bible college and then spend the rest of their lives supporting it because they like the professor who presented it. So just... <laughs> Just like the professor. Um, I, I actually just want to get this out here. I, I personally only unquestionably swallow uh, what is taught by, you know, a, quote, university professor in France. That is just <laughs> That's the only you're one. snob. That's true. Snobbies of the snobs. But we have a little fun here in the uh, final paragraphs of the book. Quote, some Calvinists call themselves three or four point Calvinists. That is about as erroneous as calling yourself a two-point Catholic because Catholics believe what the Bible says about the virgin birth and are against abortion. I, does anybody get that joke? I actually am unsure how to write a joke about so over think, a joke I don't I understand. Think, I don't know I, what that is. I think I do get it. I think it's like saying I'm a two-point Christian because I believe the universe had a beginning and it's okay to save goats on Sunday. I think that's kind of the joke where it's like, well, I'm not really a Christian at all just I because I believe those things. And then I think the numbers are referring to TULIP, which is like the five point acronym for Calvinist belief. And okay. I can't even remember. It's like it's total depravity, unlimited grace. Uh, I can't remember the other ones. Perseverance of the saints is the V. Um, I don't remember the other one. So I think that's where the three or four point comes from. Okay. And I think okay. he's saying like, look, you're just not a Calvinist then. If right. you're a three or okay, four point Calvinist sense. in the same way that I'm not a two point Christian. I'm right. just not a Christian. Okay, cool. Thanks. All right, so setting aside that... Love a joke, you got to explain. Those are the best jokes <laughs> of all. Break that down. We'll do a whole bonus episode on that joke, actually. All right, so setting aside <laughs> that confusing humor, 
Kirkland does not disappoint by ending his book with this zinger. Zing. Quote, to those Calvinist supporters who may be upset concerning any of my statements in this book, you should not be upset because if Calvinism is right, I was foreordained by God to write it all. And so with that, we have finished our second part of our None Dare Call It Heresy series, and we finished the series itself. So, Brent, Forrest, what did you learn in these episodes? What most appealed to you? All right, so... In part one, we went, uh, we mentioned Kierkegaard and fear and trembling. Yes. And the cup also, of we just did a bonus episode on dialethism. So mm. in the spirit of those two things, <laughs> I'm going to say that Calvinists and Kirkland should read fear and trembling and just accept faith is a monstrous paradox, as Kierkegaard <laughs> called it. And uh, that's it. You're just done. <laughs> There's no right answers here. It's just fucking crazy. <laughs> accept it. Crazy versus that's crazy. That's what I'm going to say. The best battle. No, but in all seriousness, it it is funny because you, <laughs> the Bible just is contradictory. There's contradictory things throughout the whole Bible, yeah. so it's always fun to see the different Christian faiths try to uh, you know figure it out and bash each other when it's you know the real answer is yeah no it's just fucking crazy. <laughs> but anyway, go ahead. Yeah, I was just gonna say the the part that stood to me was I mean the RC I think Sproul or however you say his name where, where he's talking about how he's as a kid he was constantly wondering if he's like saved or not or converted i was like i totally totally had that all my life as a kid <laughs> it's like the worst thing ever like oh god am i really saved okay and actually for me because of um some of the films like it was weirdly more um i don't know why i wasn't quite as scared of hell as i was more the like being left behind as oh. they as uh you know as all i come in and every time you know there's clothes on the ground i'm like oh god it's not laundry day someone is actually raptured <laughs> So probably because for a child to be left behind by their parent is like, yeah, a real it's like the worst ever fear. <laughs> Depends but, on how old you are as a child. If you're 16, though, it's the greatest thing like, ever. Hell yeah. What about you, Dylan? Anything, anything? Uh, I think grab the, your attention? I mean, the thing that gets me is so there's this question that, you know, John Calvin and, you know, many other Christians have dealt with, which is how do you square God's foreknowledge with free will? I mean, this is a classic mm -hmm. problem um, in Christianity. And so I just love Bob Kirkland just shitting all over Calvin's views <laughs> and then espousing a view, which is incredibly similar and just not. And it's just basically a verbal, a verbally different view for the most part. Not only um, that, it's and, Kirkland's views are contradictory because it'll be yeah, like, didn't he like cell phone himself? A few point? times. There's a few times. Like, yeah, yeah. Multiple times. Under Calvinism, there's you just can't even know if you're saved because it's a workspace <laughs> faith. So you can't even know that you have God's grace or whatever. But then he says earlier, like, nobody knows, not even the saints. Yeah. yeah. It's like, what, what the fuck? Not even the saints. The fuck is right. this? And at least, yeah, at least if it's true that if you persevere to the end, at least you can like keep track of that. So there's right. at least that's better than just like I said, than the <laughs> like the credit bureau God. Yeah. That just you yeah. just don't know. But for some reason, you do know, because who knows? But anyway, I also just love this method of just like we're going to like really kind of closely read the Bible to like call someone else a heretic. And we're not going to read we're not going to read the original Greek or Hebrew. We're going to read a particular translation of the Bible and do this like incredibly close reading where we're paying attention to like very specific word choices that just can't be right. You know, I'm not a Christian. 
But that just can't be the way to go about doing this. It just can't be. Yeah, no, we're, yeah, I'm going to read a translation of a translation of the original Greek that was written 300 years <laughs> after the time of Jesus like that. Okay, but we're going to figure it out, figure yeah. out the truth with that. That method. seems, right. that seems like a mistake to me. And with that mistake, <laughs> we have finished our series on none dare call it heresy. And we are done. <laughs> Thank you for listening to None Dare Call It Ordinary. You can find us on Twitter at NDCIO, Instagram at None Dare Call It Ordinary, and send us an email at None Dare Call It Ordinary at gmail.com. For only $1 a month, you can become a patron at patreon.com slash None Dare Call It Ordinary. For information on all our episodes, as well as links to our YouTube channel and Discord server, head over to our website at None Dare Call It Ordinary.com. As always, we ask that you please rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes or wherever your podcasts are served.